following sermon is from Faith Bible Church, located in Murrieta, California. More information about Faith Bible Church is available at www.faith-bible.net. I'm not sure you had the same reaction that I did, but uh, the first time that I heard that you could actually audit a class, I kind of freaked out. I thought, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, the fact that you could just go to class, you pay a nominal fee, and you don't have to do any of the work. You just sit there and listen, learning for free kind of thing. You don't have to read the book. You don't have to take notes. You don't have to do any of the assignments. You just audit the class. Well, I was blown away by the fact that there were fellow collegians and there are multiple levels of adults that would sign up for the class. They'd sit in there. Some of them would read the book, but they didn't have to. Some of them would take notes, but they didn't have to. Some of them even take the exams, but they didn't have to. It didn't count because it was just an audit. And it was an incredible moment in my life that I realized that I'm not going to graduate by auditing a class, but wow, what a great thing. All the pressure of learning was gone. All the stress was gone. You could just sit there and learn and it was an amazing moment of my life. And then I realized that that's exactly what James is telling us not to do. He's telling you not to audit your Christianity. Don't just sit there and listen and hear the Word of God, but actually to be involved in doing and living out the Word of God. And that's where he's going to take us in James chapter 1 as we finish up the chapter today. So please open your Bibles, if you're not there already, to James chapter 1, and we'll take a look at verses 22 through 27 and conclude the chapter today. Interesting enough, if you're new with us, I've been getting some really interesting reactions from new people. They'll come up and go, hey, I like the topics that you chose today, and I really like the sermon, and I went, wait, 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 there's, there's a couple things off a little bit. I, I don't want to correct that for you. First of all, we don't pick the topics. We pick the book of the Bible, and we go through it verse by verse, and God the Holy Spirit picks the topics. It's, in other words, if we're in the section that's talking about doing the Word, then that's what we talk about. We talk about what God intended to say through His scripture in the original intention of the author's meaning there that's what we're looking for the second thing uh, comments that i get is well i really liked it and and i i I don't know how to say this graciously it doesn't matter whether you like it or not (laughs) it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether i like it or not the only thing that matters is that you would submit to the authority of god's word that's what's missing today in the church. It's not just that I hear and ascribe to the Word of God, but that it is my authority. It's the one revealing God's will, God's desire for me, and therefore then I would then obey it. And wh- whether I feel like it or not, whether I love it or not, that's the intention of the Scripture itself. And in the wacky, <laughs> wimpy, weak Christian culture of our day, there are those who teach that obedience to the Scripture is optional in fact is extra some view the Bible as something that if you say you need to obey it they would see that as legalism to say that they understand that salvation is by grace so when you expect believers to obey the Word of God then you're basically distorting the gospel but the Bible actually teaches something different so you need to understand that if you're gonna approach this passage the right way The Bible actually teaches that salvation is by grace, through faith, no works at all, but when you're saved, you will work. That's the point. The point is, once you're born again, God gives you a new heart that desires to follow his scripture, to be obedient to his scripture. You want to obey his scripture, but that's after he saves you. After he saves you by faith, you know, by grace, through faith. That's the intention of Scripture. The Bible is telling you that when your heart is regenerated, there will be a desire to obey. When the Holy Spirit of truth lives in you, you will want to follow the truth. That life that you live that is reckoned as righteous in Christ will want to practice righteousness. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says it this way, By this we know that we have come to know him if we what? if we keep his commandments and the one who says I've come to know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him true Christians will desire to live out to do the scripture the commandments of God so James 
when he began his particular letter, he went right for the throat. He went right for the issues that they were facing, the scattered group of Jewish believers all around the New Testament world. And he said, look, when you're going through a trial, you will want to respond with joy, knowing who's in control, knowing that God is orchestrating all these elements in your life, and that you can respond knowing that your Heavenly Father loves you, and you can respond in the sense of saying, I can have confidence in God himself. And then he talked about, listen, when you're facing temptation... Understand when you face temptation in verses 13 through 18, hey, it is that you accept responsibility for your sin. You recognize that you're the sinner. You recognize that you're the one who's offended God. This has not come from outside of you. This is coming from inside of you, and you accept the responsibility of it. God's character and God's heart for you is incredible. In verse 17, he says that he is no shifting shadow. He's the God that you can trust and you can put your faith in and trust in. And then in verse 18, he says... He's also the God who saved you. He's the God who regenerated you. He gave you new life. You can trust him through these temptations and through these trials. Then by the time he gets to verse 19, he tells the readers that they will seek to apply God's word to their lives to conquer the sins they battle with and become like Christ. And now in verses 22 to 27, he really goes for the throat. <laughs> it's unbelievable. He just told his readers that in salvation... God's word is like a seed planted in the soil. That was verse 21. The word of God is actually planted in your hearts, verse 21. And if you're born again, that same seed in your heart will sprout. God has placed his word in your heart, and when he plants it in your heart, it's going to sprout into fruit. It's going to sprout into behavior. It's going to sprout into action, not perfectly, Remember, we're not talking about microwave Christianity here. We're talking about Christianity that lives out in your life. Over time, you're going to see fruit coming out of your life. God's word is not merely to be in you. It is to show through you. Not in you, but through you. God's word is not only to be observed, but obeyed. Not only heard, but heeded. Not only learned, but lived not only considered, but conformed to. It is your authority. It is God's will for your life. It is the expression of the sovereign God and his desire for you to respond to his loving graciousness in your life. And James speaks directly to every single heart in this room in this passage today. Every single heart. From grown up to goober. Every single heart. These verses are a test that separates the men from the boys and the women from the girls. This really does. It is also a test for every single Bible-believing church worldwide. It is. A genuine believer will make a practice of obeying and applying God's Word. A genuine believer will make a practice of obeying and applying God's Word. And this pursuit of obedience proves your faith shows that you're genuine, and protects your walk with Christ. Those two things are crucial. Now, will it all happen at once? Will you every day be able to live the Word of God perfectly, yes or no? No, but progressively, you're going to find yourself desiring to live the Word of God and to practice the Word of God and to see it begin lived out in your life. It is the regular application of God's Word which draws you closer to Christ, and the ongoing rejection of applying the Word of God that causes you to be distant from Christ. It is the application of Scripture which draws you closer to Him, and it is the ongoing neglect of the application of Scripture that causes distance from Him. Hearing only is destructive for the genuine Christian. Hearing only is damnable for the phony Christian. It's a crucial issue. Your Savior through the half-brother... His half-brother, James, says you cannot audit Christianity. You cannot audit Christianity. You cannot just show up and listen and then do nothing and coast in your Christian life. You need to be about the process of applying and doing the Word of God. James says every genuine Christian in this room will make spirit-dependent efforts. Spirit-dependent efforts, exercising their will, sometimes with exhausting labor, sometimes with agonizing work to apply God's Word to your life so you become a doer of the Word and not merely just a, what? Hearer of the Word. So read aloud with me 
this familiar passage, okay, on the basis of what God has done already in your life, understand this passage in its context, and we'll see what it says to us today. I want you to read aloud from your outline, verses 22 to 27, if you can do that. Here we go. Are you ready, everybody? But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does." If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. James teaches these scattered Christians, number one in your outline, Christ demands Christians to daily practice obedience. Christ demands that Christians practice obedience. Today, you got to get out of classroom Christianity, stop auditing your faith, and move towards the regular application of Scripture. Today, face the reality that learning God's Word and not living God's Word is not good. Loving the Bible, listening to the Bible without living the Bible is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. So today, move beyond hearing to heeding. Why? First in your outline, Christ commands you to be consistently applying the word. He commands you to be consistently applying the word. The very first word of verse 22, take a look at it. Look at it, please. Tell me what it is. What is it? But. Now this is a very important but, okay? I'm not trying to be funny. Verse 21, it's, it's a contrast to verse 21. And he says, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Verse 22, but prove yourselves doers of the word. Now, this is a pretty simple understanding. He just said that in salvation, God implants the word of God into your heart. He said, in salvation, you get to be a partaker, to some degree, of the new covenant, where God actually writes his word in your hearts. He gives you that in salvation. Now he tells you, but make sure that if that's true, your position, the word of God is in you, make sure that you're living it. Make sure you're doing it. Practice your position. That's what he says. Very important. Now listen. Please look up here. You cannot live the Christian life. You can't. You were not meant to live the Christian life. It is God through you to live the Christian life. You must be dependent upon him. We need to depend on him in our salvation. Say amen. We need to depend upon him in our sanctification. Say amen. So every day you're dependent upon him as you exercise your will, stepping out in obedience, but you're relying on him. You can't do it. I can't do it. The elders can't do it. Nobody can. Nobody can live the life that you're intended to live. And listen, friends, it's going to take time. You remember, we've already talked about the microwave Christianity. It's going to take time for you to develop this habit of practicing God's Word. But you've got to go for it. You've got to go for it. If He's implanted the Word in your heart, you've got to live it out. But, He says, make sure it's implanted in your heart. Make sure it shows. Make sure it's lived out. Many Christians talk a good game. Do they not? They do. They know a lot. They say all the right things. They even agree with other Christians. They got good doctrine, but then do nothing. And this is deadly, James says, deadly. They make no changes. They take no steps. No truth is applied in their life. Every Sunday, they fill their thimble full of God's knowledge, God's truth, and they spill half of it on the way to the parking lot, all right? They're not living it out. It's just something that they know because they go to a Bible teaching church, but they're not living it out. They're not demonstrating that through the power of the Spirit. So this is a huge problem today, and it was a huge problem back when James wrote to those first century Christians. So he insists that, that talk about the Word, insight into the Word, even figuring out application to the Word will not do the trick. Their talk needs to turn to walk. 
their talk needs to turn to walk. In verse 22, the term prove yourselves is the main command of this entire paragraph. That's the whole thing he's telling us. Prove yourself to be obedient to God's word in everyday life. Prove yourselves is actually the verb to be, to become, to become. So you say, what is he saying there? Well, James is saying, this is more than asking you to do something. Okay, I know he's saying, do the word, do the word, do the word. But this is more than that. He's saying, I want you to become the doer of the word. I want it to be part of who you are. Christ through James is commanding you to become this person. That applying the word of God is so much a part of your life, it is who you are. It's who you are. That's what he says when he says become this person. Be the doer, be the plier. Then he takes it even more intense because this verb, this become, is also in the present tense. Which means that we're to be doing this all the time. Every day, going after it, to be the regular habit, ongoing behavior, the faithful practice of living out the word until it becomes a part of you. That when you hear the word, your first response is, I gotta live this out. I can't just know this. I want to make sure it's demonstrated in my life more and more, increasingly. Again, not suddenly, but increasingly. It is one thing, isn't it, to fight a couple days in a battle? It's another thing to be a professional soldier, right? It's one thing to make some repairs around the house. It's another thing to actually be a professional builder. What James is saying by using this verb to become, he's saying, I want you to be the professional soldier I want you to be the professional builder when it comes to the application of Scripture in your life. I want you doing this all the time. I want you to become the man and the woman who lives out the Scripture. That's what he wants. Now, again, are you going to do it perfectly, yes or no? No. Is it going to be sudden, all, all at once, yes or no? No, but you need to work at that so it becomes more and more and more a part of your life. And then he even gets even more edgy. Don't you love it when James gets edgy? He gets edgy because he doesn't just command you, and he doesn't just say that I want you to become this person, but he says, he uses a voice that says you need to act upon yourself to do this. You need to do it. Now, yes, you're dependent upon the Spirit of God. Yes, you need to rely on all the means of grace and resources that God gives you, but he uses a voice here that says you act upon yourself to get this done. In other words, friends, it's not going to be your spouse. It's not going to be your parents. It's not going to be your children. It's going to be you. You individually need to act upon yourself to make this happen. Even if you're in an environment where your spouse is saying, nah, I'm not really interested. Or your kids, ah, I'm not really interested. That doesn't matter. He's saying you, Christian, specifically, act upon yourself to apply this. He's putting a squeeze on us in. Again, one more time. You cannot live the Christian life. But Christ can through you. Christ can through you. And so what he's saying here is that, look, get into the habit of living dependently, of starting every day saying, Lord, I can't do this, but I know you can, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exercise my will. I'm going to put this into practice. I'm going to make attempts dependently to see you live this out in my life. I want to see your spirit be manifested through me as I seek to obey the scripture. Make a habit of application. Now, side note. We're living in dangerous days. Would you agree? And there's certain attacks against the church, and there's going to be increasing attacks against Christians. The only ones who will survive are the ones who are applying the Scripture. The only ones who are going to go through the trials and the temptations are, and basically be the rich individuals are the ones who are on the daily basis going, we're going to do what God says and not what the world says. We're going to do what God says. And it's part of your, your makeup. It's a habit that you've built into your life. And that's what he's calling us to. This is the only command and the main point in this entire paragraph. Become this person. Become the doer of the word. Someone who responds to reading, studying, and listening to the word, empowered by the Spirit of God, exercising your will to apply the word to your life. And that's the main point. Prove your salvation and protect your sanctification. Demonstrate. Demonstrate. Show us. Show the Lord, honor him. Those who just show up week in, week out, and only hear the word of God reveal that they're either phony or fragile. Hearing only is the pattern of your life. If that is, James says, 
it's destructive for the believer, and it's damnable for the make-believer. So secondly, this is why, secondly in your outline, Christ warns you not to deceive yourself concerning obedience. Don't deceive yourself concerning obedience. Verse 22, the second half, he says, and not merely hearers who what? Oh, come on, say it with me. Who what? Delude themselves. Now, James says you can't stop with hearing. You got to hear the word. You, you got to hear it, but don't stop with hearing. Never stop with merely hearing. James says you must not do that, not become the hearer only. And here in the Greek there is the word auditor. Auditor. It's the one who's auditing Christianity. You know any Christians like that? Come on, there are churches that are filled with people who are auditing Christianity. They're just hearing it and not doing it. They make no efforts to actually see the Spirit of God work through their life in order to make them into the man or woman that God desires them to be. Don't become the hearer only. Don't become the auditor. Uh, the one who's perceiving but not pursuing the Word. Uh, don't be the person who wants to sit under the Word, but they don't want to live according to the Word. And hearing only is a Christian disease. And it is a pandemic in our day. It's an absolute pandemic. It attacks every spectrum of Christianity and every kind of Christian. <clears throat> I mean, in the church, you meet all kinds of Christians. You meet the Christians who say, I want to argue theology. Uh, I want to have a theological hobby horse I want to ride. Uh, I, I want to study the Bible. I want to attend a good Bible teaching church. I want to listen to awesome teachers and podcasts. And I, I want to go to seminary. I want to be in the training center. I want to be a solid group. To all of those and more, James says, you must not stop with hearing. You must not stop with hearing. If you do, you are deluding yourselves. And that word is really scary. That deception there actually refers to the lunatic. The person who doesn't apply the word and only hears is a lunatic. A lunatic. The term deluding means to deceive by false reasoning. In mathematics, the same term in Greek was used to describe a miscalculation. So believers who hear the word but don't apply are making a serious miscalculation. Don't fool yourself. Just because you understand what God teaches you in the Bible does not mean you're spiritually healthy, does not mean that you're godly, biblical, or mature. In fact, the person who hears the word without responding is self-deceived. Self-deceived. My Christian friends, it's obedience to the scripture that will solve your struggles, your problems. It's obedience to the scripture, uh, putting the truth into practice, that transforms your soul. It's the scripture that eradicates sin in your life, that empowers ministry through you, that strengthens your spiritual living and purifies your heart. It strengthens you in every way. It blesses you. We're going to find out in just a moment. James wants his readers to understand the crazy hearer and what they're really like. That's why he says they delude themselves he wants to make certain you know why he calls those who only hear the word but don't do it are lunatics. They're, they're nuts. They're insane. They're making a serious miscalculation. Well, how does he explain it? Well, thirdly in your outline, Christ describes the process of self-deception. He, he describes the process of self-deception over obedience. Now, this is something that's common, so James is going to explain it, and this is how he explains it with this illustration verses 23 and 24. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a what? A mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Now how does the hearer only respond to God's word? Well, James says he's like a false believer or a weak Christian who looks in the mirror of God's word. He's shown his true self, his sin, some violation of God's law, an aspect of his life where he's not submitting to the Bible or not following the Lord. It's as clear as day. I mean, he's looking at the Word. He's going, man, that's me. Bam. You know, hitting him right in the face. It's obvious, a dirty smudge on your face. There's no denying it. Sin's exposed. Corrections need to be made. Repentance is called for. An application must be pursued. But as soon as the reading or listening is over, what's he do? He immediately forgets what needs to be changed. He forgets. He just ignores it. Right? Now listen, every single one of us in this room, including me at the top of the list, has done that. You've heard the word and you walked away and you forgot it. 
say amen to that. So he's saying, don't make that a habit. Don't let that be every week. Don't let that be every day. We're going to battle here, but don't give in to this. You've got to fight this. As soon as the reading and listening is over, he forgets what he needs to change, what needs to be repented of. He does nothing at all. He forgets what God's powerful word has exposed in his life, but showed him in the mirror of the word, and that he's a hearer only. He goes away and does nothing. I'm not certain you're really feeling the punch of what James is saying here, so let me help you. The word choices and the verb choices here are very pointed. When this man looked at himself, he literally sees his face of his birth in the mirror. Now, you've done that. You've seen yourself in the mirror. You looked at yourself this morning, right, before you worked on your coiffon, okay? And you men, sometimes you look in the mirror and you go, man, I brushed my teeth and there's still a little toothpaste kind of hanging out of the mouth there, right? Anybody with me on that? Yeah, I know you don't want to admit it, but it's there. I've had, you know, shown up to minister to people in the hospital early in the morning, you know, and, and I'll, they're, li- they're looking up at me like, can you fix that? The, the toothpaste? You gals got a clump of makeup on your face and everybody assumed you went goth, you know, kind of thing. And uh, you see this mess in your life. You looked long and hard, but instead of depending on the Holy Spirit, instead of choosing to act upon your will and stepping out independence and make corrections, you determined to walk away. And God's word clearly exposed a problem. And you know it needs to be fixed, but you get busy with life, right? Life demanding. And so all of a sudden you make no steps to dependently apply the word of God and Monday afternoon occurs and all of a sudden you've forgotten everything that was talked about on Sunday. And that happens on a regular basis. Understand what happens is you once again close the Holy Spirit's door to sanctification and possibly even the door of salvation. Once you ignore it, you're fast on the path to becoming the, James calls you, the forgetful hearer. The forgetful hearer. If you don't immediately make the necessary corrections when God is impressing them upon your heart, then most often you're never going to get around to it. Did you hear me? You forget what God worked so hard to reveal to you through his word, and you shut out the work of the Spirit of God to correct you, to help you, to impact you. James says, for once he has gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. He forgot who he was. And the moment you determine to walk away, get busy, ignore the truth, refuse to repent, apply the truth, do nothing about God's word, that choice results in some consequences. Consequences. When you walk away and don't apply the word, the result is a life of forgetting the Lord and his word. You begin, are you ready? Are you ready? This is scary. You begin to train yourself to ignore God. That's what James is saying. You forgot what I told you who you were, and you begin to train yourself to ignore the Spirit of God, to ignore the Word of God, to ignore the means of grace. You become a forgetful hearer. You forgot who you were. The dwelling Holy Spirit is quenched at that particular moment because you just stopped applying, so you flatline in your growth, and we're not applying the Word. You find yourself more distant from Christ, and worst of all, if you continue to hear only, you might demonstrate yourself as someone who doesn't even know Christ. That's the point. Some of you need Pastor Bob Blunt in your life. Now, Bob Blunt is actually related to Roger Rood, Carl Conviction, and Frank in your face, all right? And the next time you're convicted from God's Word and you share it, Pastor Blunt, I I was convicted by God's Word. Pastor Blunt is not going to smile at you. Pastor Blunt is not going to act polite. Pastor Blunt is going to ask one single question. What are you going to do about it? And we need Pastor Blunt in our lives, friends. I need that. Okay, yeah, you got it. You heard it. You listened. You understand it. What are you going to do? That's the point. We need Pastor Blunt. Do you agree? We need a little bit of that. That's what a good body will do for each other. Sometimes they're blunt. And sometimes you get mad at the people who are blunt with you, but if you're in Christ, later on you'll come back and go, you know what, thanks. Thanks for pushing. Thanks for pointing this out. We need that. And we need to develop, are you ready? Mature Christians have an automatic blunt in their head. Yeah, that's true, but what are you going to do? How are you going to manifest this in dependence upon the Spirit of God? Hearing only is deadly. 
Some of you caught it. It's a disease, and it's really a struggle in your life, and hearing only is serious for the genuine, and hearing only is fatal for the phony. Don't become the forgetful hearer. In contrast, he says, number four, Christ describes the blessing of those who regularly apply God's word. Christ describes the blessing. Okay, are you catching it? He says, verse 25, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but effectual doer, this man will be what? Circle that word, blessed. Picture yourself as the starlet working your face over on the, in the mirror on Oscar night, all right? You're going to want everything just right, correct? Well, the diligent doer looks intently at the mirror of God's word and makes changes to the smudges, to the blemishes, to the sins that God truth experiences and exposes in their life. Exposes. You know, when James writes this, um, we have mirrors, you know, that have a little bit of a background to them, you know, they're glass, etc. They didn't have those kind of mirrors in the first century. Uh, that came at the latter half of the first century uh, where they began to have glass-type mirrors. Right now, as he's writing this, the mirror is a, it's basically a, a piece of bronze that is polished really well. So it's, it's, it's not a perfect mirror, right? You look in a mirror imperfectly, but you look at it, and typically it was not up on a wall, it was down on a table. And so he actually uses a word here that says look over or look down. You're looking down at the mirror and you're seeing what's there. And you're seeing what's out of place. You're seeing the blemishes, etc. And you're looking intensely through this, through this now perfect mirror, the word of God. And what is God's word? Well, James adds God's word is the perfect law. Do you see that there? The perfect law. It's the law of liberty. And this is what he's now, as the New Testament with this very first epistle, is being written now with James's epistle. This is the salvation by grace through faith. All right? This is the message, the perfect law of liberty. Listen, friends, um, let's talk about law for a second. The presence of grace does not imply the absence of God's law. Understand, because there is forgiveness when we break God, the law, that does not mean that there's no law. Uh, understand that the New Testament is the moral law of God that he wants us to obey. And Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to set it aside. He wants us to obey it. God's law is perfect, it's sufficient, it's authoritative. God's law shows us God's perfect will. So when we pursue his law, we're actually liberated from the slavery of sin and able to live pleasing to Christ. That's why he calls it the law of liberty. You've been freed now to obey for the first time in your life. You were a slave to sin. And when you got bone again, you're now a slave to his righteousness, and you're now able, for the first time in your life, to be obedient. First time. It's the law of liberty. He's freed you to pursue. And James calls God's word the law of liberty, stressing that he freed you from sin. Hey, wait, wait, stop for a second. Aren't you thankful that he freed you from sin? He freed you from sin. Not just the penalty of sin, but the power of sin. When we choose to sin, we don't have to, but we do. Okay? That's the world that we live in. That's who we are in Christ. We choose to. We don't have to. We can be free from that. That's what he calls us to in the New Testament. So he says, to hear God's law and act upon it and live it and apply it, abide by it here. Basically what he's saying, you're sticking with God's word as the authority in your life. You're remaining with it. Then great things are going to happen. You start applying the scripture, here's the positive motivation. He's basically saying, listen, as long as you're not a forgetful hearer, but effectual doer, verse 25, as long as you're not becoming one who forgets as a way of life, but one who practices the word as a way of life, again, not perfectly, but progressively, then as you apply the truth, you become blessed. Did you see that word blessed? It means happiness. It means saturated in God's grace. It means that you're basically favored by God and you're going to be beloved by God and you're going to enjoy intimacy with God because of your seeking to walk according to his word. There's greater intimacy when you walk with Christ in obedience, period. Would you agree with that? Come on, parents. When your kids are walking in obedience, there's great connection you have with them. And when they're walking in disobedience, you're going, ah, right? Anybody with me? I know maybe you didn't go, ah, maybe you go, will you stop it? 
Okay, there's that element of you understand what it's like to be a child to a father. And that's what he's saying here. You're blessed when you walk in obedience to your heavenly father. You're blessed. There's a sweetness that comes, an intimacy that comes, a communion that comes, empowerment that comes, even insight and wisdom that comes from that. It's blessed. Your happiness and you're in God's favor. But James says, wait a minute. What about the religious forgetful hearer? What about somebody who's really religious, you know? They're, they go to church all the time. They're involved in ministry. What about that person? Well, number two in your outline, he gives Christ's example of religious hearers and religious doers of God's word. So that's point number two, major point number two. Here's the example, and that's verses 26 and 27. You say, I never really understood why these verses were here. Now you understand. He's still talking about doing the word, but now he's saying even the religious need to be living out God's word. Let me explain this passage for you. Basically, there are people in the church, and they boast. I'm super committed. I go to church all the time. Uh, I serve in ministry. I'm faithful to pray. I, I do what's expected. Obviously, I must be a doer. And James says, maybe not. Maybe not. There are those who are religious who deceive themselves into thinking they're doers when actually they're just merely hearers. Say, what do you mean? Well, take a look at verse 26. If anyone thinks himself to be what? Okay, he thinks himself. He, he sees himself as religious and yet does not bridle his tongue. He deceives his own heart and that man's religious is what? Worthless. His main concern here is to take it to a whole new level. James is now exposing the self-deception of the religious churchgoer. Now, this could be you. The one who thinks he's a doer because he's religious, because he's here and maybe serving. James already taught that those who hear only and do not do the word may not be saved. Now he teaches those who do religious things may also not be saved. The Greek word religious has to do with external religion, ceremonial public worship, pharisaical worship. It looks good on the outside, okay? That's what he means when he says religious. Verse 26, though, that churchgoer has an opinion of himself that he's religious, right? He thinks of himself as religious. So as he thinks of himself as religious, what's he thinking? Well, the Spirit of God here, uh, James directed, is exposing that errant heart. See the phrase there, deceives his own what? Heart. He deceives his own heart. It has to do with internal reality. The internal person. This guy's, hey, he's religious on the outside, but he's being exposed internally as to what he is on the inside. Are you getting it? That's what he's talking about. So what he's saying here, the point is, if someone believes himself to be religious because he's involved with external rituals, whether temple worship or attending church, but he does not demonstrate a character-driven internal control over his tongue then he's deceived himself and his religion is worthless. He's exposing your heart. You say, how's he exposing my heart? Because he's talking about your mouth, your tongue. And the tongue is a perfect illustration of what's going on in your heart, right? Everybody with me on that? You can tell what your heart is like by what you speak about. And so that's what he's talking about here. You already know your speech is a very clear window to your heart. In fact, Jesus said it. Everyday speech exposes the spiritual condition of your heart. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. For the mouth speaks out of that which was what? Fills the heart. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. Your words tell you what you're like, what you truly are. So he's saying, hey, you're religious on the outside. You're showing up to church, but what's really going on on the inside is being exposed by what you say. And if you're not controlling your tongue, you're exposing a heart that is not what? Been redeemed, been regenerated, been transformed. It's exposing your internal person. Even though you're coming to church, it's showing you that maybe you can say, oh, I'm religious, but internally you're not. Internally, something's wrong. If a so-called Christian's words are not controlled, then his heart is not transformed. That doesn't mean perfection here. We're talking about you're exercising control over what you talk about. So this person's religion, their faith is, according to James, worthless. These are not my words. This is James. He calls it worthless. The super committed religious person can be a phony hearer and not a doer. 
James digs a little deeper now. So he says, okay, I'm exposing what's going on in your heart by your words. And he's deceiving his own heart by his words, okay? He's showing that his religion on the outside is actually fake because his words are not being controlled. So he's exposing his heart. Now he digs a little deeper and makes sure they know that what a true doer looks like. Verse 27, look at it. He's going a little deeper again in the religious world. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, okay? So you want to know what the real stuff is, the real church attender, the real faith, well, then it's the one who visits orphans and widows in their distress and keeps oneself unstained by the world. Now, pure and undefiled religion is defined by our Lord here according to his standard. Now, what is his standard? Are you ready? Write it down. Love. Love. He's saying, look, if you really are born again, if your religion is genuine, you are going to sacrifice for other people. You are going to demonstrate that you're born again by the way that you love others, especially those who are unfortunate, the widow and the orphan. You're going to demonstrate love. In fact, the terms pure and undefiled are Greek synonyms, and he's using this to describe true faith. And true faith is demonstrated by loving sacrifice. You know what Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have what? Love for one another. Why does Pat close the surface, the service, the service every week with make sure you love each other? Why? There's a simple reason why. The reason is, is that if we are not actually encouraging, reaching out, caring, comforting, sacrificing for each other, then without love, our faith is worthless. Without love, our church is useless. And without love, our witness is in vain. Are you getting it? That's how important it is. That's why we say it. And this love is not the world's idea of the sentimental sappiness that makes you feel good. By definition, this is selfless sacrifice, doing what's best for another. The love that's demonstrated here is Christ-like love, and that's the love that is selfless sacrifice, doing what is best for another. Sometimes it's tough love. Sometimes it's direct love. And just as speech, now get this, reveals the genuineness of your heart. Did you get that? Verse 26. Look at it. Speech revealed the genuineness of your heart. Verse 26. So your attitude toward those in need reveals the genuineness of your love. Getting it? Verse 27. Verse 26, one more time. The speech revealed the genuineness of your heart. That's verse 26. Now verse 27, the attitude towards those in need reveals the genuineness of your love. That's verse 27. So widows and orphans were especially needy segment of the church family in the first century. So sacrificing for them would be a true demonstration of love. And a proof that you're not merely a hearer but also a doer of God's word. It'll show widows and orphans were being abused by the wealthy and Christians needed to step up in the first century. So this is what James is calling for. If you learn the truth of the word, you are to live the truth of God's word. And that's towards widows and orphans. And that's towards your tongue. And that's towards your interactions with the world. And notice he says this kind of religion, verse 27, this true faith that pleases your heavenly father in the sight of our God and father. He says this pleases him because your God is the protector of the widow and the orphan. Would you agree with that? Listen, what he says in Psalm 68, verse, uh, uh, you know, verse 5. God is a father to the fatherless and a judge for the widows. Hey, if you came from a lousy home or you had no parents at all, remember that. God is a father to the fatherless and he is a judge for the widows. He's saying that basically God's the father to the orphan and the protector of the widow. So when you care for them, you're loving his special people. You're loving them. You're demonstrating love his special children. And he ends with, and keep oneself unstained by the world. You see that there? Keep oneself unstained by the world. What's he talking about? Well, the world there is not your unsaved family. It's not your unsaved friends. They need Christ. They need to hear you share with them about what Christ accomplished on their behalf by dying on the cross and rising from the dead. They need to hear that they're separated from God because of their sin. They need to hear that. That's not who he's talking about when he's saying the unsaved world or the world remain unstained by he's talking about the godless system that leaves god out the godless system 
that basically is filled with corruption and is totally opposite of heaven. The world he describes is, again, not those unsaved folks. The world here is the evil fallen system around us that leaves God out of everything, and yet it is where we live. We live in this world. We don't belong here, but we live in this world. And therefore, once you're born again, you're no longer belonging here. You're not to live like you belong here. The Bible says you're not to love this world or the things of this world. He says even later on in James, friendship with the world is, is hostility towards God. Christians are not to be comfortable here. This world is not our home. We're, we're not to be conformed to this world. We're to be different. We're foreigners on planet earth now we belong to heaven i was just in greece i was a foreigner in greece absolute foreigner i couldn't even talk with the greek accent all right but understand they they spotted me instantly because i wore shorts everywhere and no one wears shorts in greece understand it was i was stuck out like a sore thumb i didn't belong there you don't belong here either you don't belong on this planet i'm not saying wear shorts i'm saying do you don't belong here and James is telling you to smell like heaven, not stink like this world. We, we need to be unstained by the filth and the evil of this world. Listen, when people observe you, do they see the things of this world or do they see the things of heaven? Do they glimpse the things of God through his word lived out? James moves from hearer to doer and then he makes certain that you're doing is genuinely internal, verse 26, and genuinely external love, verse 27. He's saying, are you a doer of the word? So let's take this home. Would you? Take it home. Letter A, beware of being spiritually wealthy. Beware of being spiritually wealthy. To whom much is given, much is what? Required. Only about four of you answered that question. To whom much is given, much is required. When you're Christians, when you're blessed with decent Bible teaching, uh, that you're in your community group and you're in a discipleship group and you're here hearing God's word on a regular basis as best as we can deliver it, you can become so enamored with biblical knowledge that you become self-satisfied. This is all of us. Subtly, you can begin to neglect the effort to live out the profound truths that you have come to understand. A true believer doesn't remain satisfied by merely learning the truth. They are only satisfied when they are living the truth. Godly man, the godly woman in this room, those who are truly godly will continually ask, Lord, change me, make me more like Jesus Christ. Help me put to death the sin and give me the wisdom to live for your glory. Never allow yourself to remain the hearer only. It's deadly. Letter B, cultivate the practice of applying God's word. Cultivate the practice of applying God's word. Job 23, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Wow. More than lunch today, you want his word. 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word. You don't have to teach them to long for the word. They long for it so that they may grow in respect to salvation. They may grow. Tackle one book at a time, one paragraph at a time. Some of you need to repent of not doing. Others of you need to restart the habits of doing the word. Learn to read and feed. Learn to ponder and practice. Take your sermon notes, post them up on the mirror with blue tape, and basically make a circle on one issue you want to apply. Take a post-it note for something that you're learning in whatever context you're in, Bible study, community group, discipleship group, and stick that on your desk. Stick it in your, in your dining room table. Each day, work at applying the Word of God. Do not forget the Word. Make sure that from your sermons, your community group, your ministry, you are developing the practice of applying the Word. Go for it. You have to make those steps. Remember, it's a continual command and it is something you must do. Let her see. Test your faith through evaluation. Test your faith. At the end of each day, ask yourself, were your conversations consistent with a born-again heart? That's what he said. Test your tongue. Verse 26. Were you sacrificially loving the weak, the downtrodden, the orphan, the widow? Test your love. Were you loving to the person who is really unloving? 
They're, they're unlovely and love them. And, and did you live as someone who belongs in heaven and not belongs here? Or are you becoming stained and conformed to the world? The Spirit of God through James will push you to make certain that Christ is in you to show through you. And letter D, cry out for a new heart that wants to obey. Not doing means no deliverance. If that's the pattern of your life, true believers will want to obey. They will want to turn from sin. They will want to grow to be more like Christ. In other words, born-again Christians will want to obey God. Look at Romans 6, 17. Look at it in your outline. Come on. Thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became what? Obedient from the heart. You have a new heart that wants to obey to that form of teaching to which you're committed. If you're not pursuing obedience from the heart, then maybe you need to cry out today, God, give me a new heart. Give me a heart that wants to be a doer of the word because you will be. If that is not your heart, ask him for a new one so that we might be those who do his word. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this challenge that is so pointed. It is so practical. And Lord, we want to be those who live out the truth of your word. And we know that we can't do that unless you do that through us. And so we're dependent upon your spirit to pull it off. And Father, if there are any here who don't know you, who, who are just hearers, who are deceiving themselves, would you crack through their deception? Would you crack through their heart and let them know what it means to be born again? That born again believers have a new heart that wants to please you, follow you, and obey you. Even when it's hard, even when they fail, which we often do. Father, we want to be living out your word. And Father, we pray that we might do so for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening today. Sermon audio from the last three years is available by podcast, and a larger archive from Chris Mueller and Faith Bible Church can be found at media.faith-bible.net. And if you would, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps a lot. Thanks, and have a great day.